the, uh, I, you know, the last few weeks, I've been looking at everything that's going on and, you know, in the world. And there's been this, it's, I want to call it like riding a wave. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever been surfing? Anybody ever been, so you've been surfing? How many of you have ever, I never got on a board. I I probably never make it, but I, I have body surfed a few times and you have to, it's unique because you have to time it right. You have to catch the wave. If you, if you miss it, if you misjudge it, I've dug my face out of the sand from, misser- from misjudging a wave. It'll just drive you into the sand. But if you judge it right and you, you launch right, I'm not kidding you, man. That's the closest to feeling like Superman I ever got. It was, I was zipping up through the water. I was going so fast. I, re, I remember one time I tucked my hands in because I thought if I get my arm caught in the sand, it's going to snap my arm. I, I was just skimming across the water. And I know you're looking at me and thinking, I can't believe he could skim across the water. Well, it happened. But I've thought about the waves that we've been experiencing and it's for a lot of people, it's been like an emotional roller coaster ride. Are you with me? You understand what I'm talking about? You know, it, it's one thing to uh, be exposed to something you've never been exposed to, you know, trying to learn this virus. But then the voices that we listen to keep changing. Are you, are you with me? Like when it first happened, don't worry about wearing a mask. Then it was wear a mask. Then it was, don't wear a mask. Then it was, wear, and I, now I'm not making this stuff up. This is too crazy to make up. This, this really happened. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I just don't believe you anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like you know, it, it's, it's like trying to figure out where you're at, what you're supposed to be doing, what you're not supposed to be doing. So there's, there's been this uneasiness that has settled in our atmosphere literally over the country, kind of like an unrest. And I thought feeling this and and trying to navigate this and as a a leader trying to help you navigate it, I, I thought, man, we just need an assurance that everything's okay. You know what I'm talking about? An assurance that we we can just find peace in and and, and just be able to unwind and, and know, you know, uh, what day was it, babe, that you told me to look at the moon? You remember the big harvest moon? How many of you? Was, no, it wasn't Friday. We were on our way in. Thursday. No, Wednesday night, I guess. No, we were here Wednesday. Friday. Whenever it was. I, there was a big, how many of you saw the big harvest moon? You know what I'm talking about? It was, it was, and I, I didn't get to see it all. I caught a glimpse of it just out of my eye because it was, it was way down low and it was, it was big and it was orange in color. And this was, this was before, you know, it, it got way up in the sky. It was, it almost looked like you could drive up to it. It was in the horizon. And I, th- I told her, I said, I'm so sorry I missed that. I, I mean, I caught a glimpse of it, but I didn't get to see the whole thing. And I wanted to see 
the whole thing. It was Thursday nights when it was. Uh, and so the reason is, is because there's a memory for me in that harvest moon. Isn't it odd how something stays with you? I mean, something that can seem so simple and insignificant to others, but it, 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 for some reason, it brings you an assurance. And when I was a kid, and I, I was probably around four years old, my dad had a, I think it was a 56 Ford. And I remember as a kid, this was before you had to have a seatbelt on, and I remember as a kid laying in the front seat on dad's lap while he was driving and looking up through the windshield. And I remember seeing this huge harvest moon. And every time I see one of those, it brings back this peace to me. It brings an assurance to me because at that moment in my life, laying on my dad's lap, I knew everything was going to be okay. I think sometimes we lose that in our walk with God. We forget how to lay our head in daddy's lap. We forget how to be able to fully trust him and, and just relax in his presence. And it's important for us to be able to not just walk through life, but to walk through life with some sense of peace and knowing that it's going to be okay. As I thought about that, I started thinking about some of the things I'd recently been through, and I, I, I just came up with this topic I want to speak to you about today for just a little while, and it's called full coverage. Would you say that with me? Full coverage, insurance versus assurance. I want to say it one more time. Full coverage, insurance versus assurance. You know, when you get a car and it's a new car, you have to get what? Full coverage insurance on it, right? They demand that. But I, I thought about the comparison of these, and I want to take you to Colossians, the first chapter, starting with verses 21 and 22, and this is in the message. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. I want to camp out there for a second. None of us want to admit that, right? Had our back to God. How many of you have been serving God since the day you were born? Now, you may have been going to church since the day you were born, but there was a succinct moment when you made up your mind to give your heart to God. And sometimes we forget what a rascal we were. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I was a rascal. You thought I was going to say you were a rascal, right? Because I could say that a lot easier. <laughs> you were a rascal. 
But we all were, weren't we? we? We all had those things and those times in our life when we weren't doing exactly what we should be doing. How many of you ever disobeyed your parents without them knowing? Hold your hand up. Gina, right now is your chance. She had, she had it up. I saw it. Without them knowing it, right? So we were, we were trying to, you know, trying to cover it, trying to hide it. Here's the deal about God is God already knows. You can't hide the fact that you skipped school from God. He knows you didn't. You can't, you, you can't, you can't hide from him. He, he knows all about us. Now watch this. Watch what he does with this. But now, everybody say now. By giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. That's a miracle. No, you don't get it. That's a miracle. For you to be holy? Really? Come on. You know the idea we get of holiness? You know what I'm talking about? We get, really what we define as holiness is self-righteousness. You know what I'm talking about? When all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about being holy. Praise God. I'm glad I'm not like that person over there. I, you know, and all this stuff. But man, for God to declare us holy, and the way he does that is he took our sin on him so we could take his holiness on us. He traded us, man. And I'm telling you that there's something powerful about that. I don't want to take that for granted. That gives me an assurance Everybody say an assurance. Listen to verse 23. This is, in, this is still Colossians, first chapter, verse 23 in the NLT. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. What is that truth? That Christ died for us, that he gave us his holiness. And it said, and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Paul says the good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I want to focus on that. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Can you remember the first time you heard the gospel? I want you to think about it a second. Can you remember? I'm not talking about the first time you went to church because there's a lot of folks who go to church that never hear do you remember the first time you heard the gospel that gave you, you understand what I'm talking about? When you hear it, the Bible said, Jesus made a statement. He said, having ears to hear, they hear not. So you can, you, you can physically hear it, but you're not perceiving it. But when you hear it and it gets in you, it does something to you. It get, man, I'm telling you, the first time I heard, I'd been to church as a kid. You know, I, I went down. How many of you know where Grantsburg is? Wow. Grantsburg is a huge metropolitan city that sits just outside of Vienna, Illinois. And so, Grantsburg is this little shot in the road where my grandparents lived. And, and when we would go down there, they would, I, I remember probably th three times that we went down there and we went to church with them. There was a little Baptist church up there. You want, you want to know what I remember about that? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Y'all attended that church too, didn't you? 
Went, that's what I remember about that church. Went to that church, and that's, that's what I got from that. They sang the song. I never got the gospel. I was there, and I'm sure I heard it, but I didn't hear it. You, you follow what I'm saying? But I remember being in a place called Valley View, Illinois, and I went to this church before I'd ever been there before. They were having a big barbecue like we had last week. I, me and my friend went down the street to that church, didn't know anybody, got in line with everybody, stood there, got a plate, walked through, got... Chicken and mashed, or not mashed potatoes, but potato salad, got a bottle of pop and said thanks and turned around and walked home. <laughs> Sat down at my picnic table, ate all the food, took the bottle back because that was when they had deposits and I wasn't about to steal from a church. <laughs> took it all back, but I had no clue that later in my life, that would be the very place that for the first time in my life, I heard. I really heard the gospel. And I'm telling you, it caused something to come over me. And I sat in that pew, and man, the waterworks came on, and I didn't even know what I was crying about. And I thought, what in the world is going on? There's an assurance that he's real. There's an assurance that what we hear is not some fairy tale from some time long ago, but it's the truth, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That assurance. The writer of Hebrews tells us to draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let me borrow you a minute. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me borrow you, James. I was going to, let me borrow you. Come All right. You're prettier. <laughs> so, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand right here. I want you to turn around like this. Turn around. Hold my hands. Hold my hands. And just lean backwards. Now, she's kind she, Oh, wait a minute, I need to sneeze, I need to sneeze. <laughs> it takes some full assurance to do that. You've got to trust that the hands that hold you won't let go of you, and you've got to trust that the hands that hold you are stronger than you are. Do you understand there's something powerful about that true, that full assurance of faith that his hands are bigger than my hands. He's stronger than I am. He's able to hold me when I feel like I'm about to fall. He keeps me from falling. Full assurance. There is a huge difference between assurance and insurance. Did you know that? Let me give you the technical definition for insurance. A contract by which one engages for a stipulated premium to make up a loss which another may sustain. Boy, that sounded spiritual, didn't it? Insurance is something that you pay for with the promise that if something goes wrong that you hope doesn't go wrong, that they'll take care of it for you, right? Well, I had, I, recently I had a, 
experience with insurance. I had two roofers come and look at my roof. Both roofers told me I had hail damage. But my insurance man, adjuster, that's never put a roof on in his life, came and told me, oh, you don't have hail damage. Oh, there may be a few spots here and there, and just because your roof is leaking doesn't mean that it was caused by hail. But it wasn't leaking until after the hailstorm. Well, that's no excuse. And so I found out that what I paid for wasn't going to cover me. Praise God. The end, I got to tell you the truth. Well, let me give you the definition of assurance. The definition of insurance means firm persuasion, confident trust, freedom from doubt. Let me say it one more time. Firm persuasion, confident trust, freedom from doubt. And I've got to tell you the truth. After I talked with my insurance company, I didn't have much assurance that they were going to cover anything that ever happened to me in the future. Well, what are you going to do, Pastor? I'm going to start looking for some assurance. How many of you need to know that, or how many of you, let, let me ask you this. We take out life insurance, right? The thing about, which is a good thing, we all need life insurance, right? Well, the truth is we don't need it. Our families need it because you ain't never going to collect it. <laughs> but we take out life insurance, Right? So here's the question I want to ask you. Which is more important to you as an individual? Life insurance or life assurance? See, life insurance is never going to benefit me. But life assurance lets me know that no matter what happens... There's a God in heaven that's going to reach out. When death comes to try and make its claim and the devil shows up, I'm going to be able to look at him eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose, and toes to toes and say, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm a child of God. Born again, that's what I am. I have an assurance that he's not going to have any power over me. Everybody say it one more time. Assurance. We need someone we can trust with our house. Everybody say, this is my house. Let me read to you from Hebrews 3, verse 5 and 6, New Living Translation. I want to read to you verse 5. It says, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. Everybody say, as a servant. His work 
was an illustration of the truths God, or of the truth God would reveal later. Think about that for a second. Let's, let's talk about that. Moses was a faithful servant in God's house. And it said that he was an illustration of the truth that God would reveal later. So let's take a look at the illustration of Moses. Go ahead. The Lord of hosts will do battle for us. powerful stuff, right? That was an illustration, but it really happened. Everybody's saying illustration. It was an illustration of the truth that God would later reveal. What is it, what's it an illustration of? It's an illustration. You have to understand that Moses is a servant in the house, but Jesus owns the house. So are you with me? Jesus owns the house. So it, show, it, it serves an illustration that a servant in the house can move and be directed by God. And when you face an obstacle that seems insurpassable, God is able to move it. Amen? So Moses stretched his hands out and all of a sudden those, that the sea rolled back. And so what it showed was that a servant of the house, you know, the, the sea rolled back and they walked through on dry ground. But when Jesus came along, Jesus didn't roll back the sea. He said, why don't you come with me and walk on top of it? You don't have to worry about trying to part your sea. I'm able to lift you up above it. I can cause you to go where you never dreamed you'd be able to go before. That, my friend, is an assurance. Everybody say an assurance. We need that assurance. Here, here's verse 6. But Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. We take out insurance on the house. But do we have assurance for the house? Let me ask a question. If you've got insurance, you know that if you die right now, and I, don't, I, I hate to say it this way, okay? But if you've got insurance, you know if you die right now, somebody's going to benefit from your death. Boy, that don't. 
how much insurance have I got anyway? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the idea, well, that's a kind of a cold, callous way to put it. I'm not going to benefit from it. I'll, I'll be sad all the way to the bank. <laughs> I understand. We, we, we try and take care of our family. We need to do that, right? But how many of you, with the premium you pay on your insurance, have a guarantee that if you die right now, you're going to make heaven your home? Insurance can't do that for you. The only thing that can do that for you is an assurance that you gave your heart to God and that God heard from heaven and that Christ is going to reach down when it comes time for us to go and we're going to be able to declare death. Where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? Because Christ himself will carry us through. Assurance. When John Wesley was dying, they said he was on his deathbed. The devil showed up in a form at the foot of his bed, and he looked at the great reformer, and he had a scroll in his hand, and he rolled it out, and he looked at him, and he said, every sin you've committed. And they said that Wesley propped himself on the bed, and he looked at that long scroll that went the length of the room. And for a moment, he was shaken, and then he remembered something. And he's propped up, and he said, you're right. He said, I have committed every sin, but one thing you've forgotten. I've been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. I've got an assurance that my past has been wiped clean, and I've got a new day, a new dad, a new forever. He keeps us in the midst of turmoil. We pay premiums for insurance, but Jesus paid it all for your assurance. <laughs> Listen to 1 Peter 2 and 24 in the Amplified. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross willingly offering himself on it as an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you who believe have been healed. Everybody say it, I'm healed. Oh, come on, say it again, I'm healed. I thought about, I, I thought about that. I thought about how with insurance, you pay insurance out, but there's no assurance that the insurance can restore your health. It's just a promise to pay for part of the attempt. How many of you have ever had to go to the doctor twice over the same thing? How many of you have had your medication changed? I'm not knocking doctors. D don't knock a doctor. <laughs> okay. All right, so here, here's what I'm saying. It's doctors or what? What's it say? A medical what? Practitioner. Everybody say they're practicing. And they're practicing on who? Everybody say on you. Everybody say it one more time. I think Estelle got practiced on. No, a practice practice on, on, on me. They're doing their best. 
But how many of you know that sometimes their best isn't enough? And they'll tell you that. Sometimes our best just isn't enough. But there is an assurance that you serve a God that not only created you, knows everything about you. And if the day comes where death comes and he knocks on the door, you've got an assurance that death can't have you. The Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment I close my eyes here, I'm opening them on the other side of glory assurance we need in this time that we live we need some assurance don't you just love watching the news because they, they're so calming the news gives you such an assurance that everything is going to be absolutely horrible I mean that I, everybody say if it bleeds it reads you never hear good stuff reported on, right? It's always the bad stuff. How many of your siblings ever ran and told mom and dad all the good things you did? <laughs> they run and tell you all the bad stuff you did and then volunteered to go pick the switch. Am I the only one that grew up in a family like that? <laughs> I don't know if that was dysfunction or what. I'd go, Mom, go, go pick a switch. She'd go, whip me. Go pick a switch. I'd bring a twig back. Wear me out, Mom. She'd look at me. She said, you better go get me a good switch or I'm going to send your brother out there. Man, if Daryl went out, he'd come back with a tree. So it's, it's got, you know, there was never, what's that song? I wish I could sing. And if anybody else says, I wish you could too. You remember that song? He ain't never done me nothing, done me nothing. Come up here real quick. Come on. He ain't never done me nothing, done me nothing but good. Sing it real loud. Help her, Jasmine. He ain't never done me nothing, nothing. I don't remember it. Well, there's no assurance. No, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come on. So, did we do this in this service already? No. Oh, okay. Did I do this? Okay. All right. It's, when you preach two services, it, it's really difficult, especially when you get my age. When you get over 39, <laughs> are you ready? Wait, did, we uh, sure. did we just do this? Oh, praise God. Go sit down. <laughs> I knew it all the time. I just wanted to make sure you all did. Okay. Everybody say it with me. Assurance. We live for a God that we can trust in. We live for a God that we can believe in. Romans 8 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? No, let me say it again. If God be for us, who can be against us? Can be against. I know right now some of you attempted to stand up and say, I'll tell you who can be against. Because <laughs> they're saying this and they're saying that. This is what God's saying. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. If I'm for you, that's the majority. If I'm for you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If I'm for you, you've got full coverage assurance. Somebody say it. I've got full coverage. 
David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art full coverage, assurance. He goes on to write, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor thing present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying? Paul's saying, you know what? I've been some places, and I've done some stuff, and I have full assurance that none of the stuff I've ever done can separate me from him. You have to understand, Paul wasn't looking for him. Paul didn't go searching for him. Christ went searching for Paul. How many of you have ever been wrong and you were dead wrong? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you were, here's, here's the thing. How many of you have been wrong but you knew you were right? I mean, you're wrong as wrong can be, but you know you're right. You ever been there? One of those wrongs will mess with your mind, man. When all of a sudden, no, no, that ain't it. That ain't it. That, that's, I, I know, I know. I will never forget we were traveling, and I don't know what got in my head, but some reason in my head, our car was a 2005. And Debbie looked at me and said, no, it's a 2007. I said, babe, it's a 2000. No, it's a 2000. I'm telling you, this is a 2005, and I'm adamant. I know I'm right, even though I'm wrong. Don't argue with me. <laughs> and it's like we get into this. It's almost like you're inside of a washing machine, and you just keep getting agitated. <laughs> And it's like, no, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And then all of a sudden, when you go through the rent cycle, and you get all that mess off of you, you know, and all that, that residue from the day is gone, and then you come out, and you, you're, you're refreshed, and then all of a sudden you look down, and you go, God, I was wrong. And you've got to admit, do you understand that Paul was so wrong, but he thought he was so right, but Jesus did not throw him away. Instead, he threw the net, and he said, I'm going to bring it in. He's a vessel of purpose. He's a vessel of promise. And I'm telling you, so are you. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. He's throwing the net and saying, come on in. I've got a plan for your life. I don't care how wrong you've been. I'm getting ready to set things right. That, my friend, is full assurance in his love. Would you say it with me? I have full assurance. We need to learn how to hold on to that assurance. Sometimes the voices in your life will try and rob you of God's promise. They'll speak doubt and defeat and pessimism to you. But assurance comes way down deep in here, down here. When you get it here, nobody can take it from you up here. You understand what I'm saying? When you get assurance in your heart, no one will be able to rob it from your mind. 
1917, the Cunningham brothers, the two of them, headed to the old country school that they attended to fire up the potbelly coal stove that heated that building. They got there early so the class would be warm for the rest of the children. Floyd Cunningham was 13 and Glenn Cunningham was 7. Two things would happen that day that Glenn was not aware of. And because he was not aware of them, it would spell a disaster. The one thing that Glenn was not aware of is he was not aware that the night before, the adults had had a meeting at the school, and they'd fired up the old potbelly stove, and there were still hot embers in the bottom of it. The second thing that Floyd was not aware of was that somebody had accidentally put gasoline in the kerosene container. And so his process of soaking those coals with kerosene turned into a nightmare. When he grabbed that kerosene bucket and threw it on those coals, that hot ember exploded like a Molotov cocktail. It blew fire all over that school building. And those children were screaming while they were burning. Their sister ran and heard the screams, got the door open, smoke billowing out. Floyd came out. This is in February. Floyd came out, and he hit the ground. He said, kick dust on us. Kick dust on us. The ground was frozen solid. It was like concrete. There was no kicking anything on them. And Floyd tried to roll around. Glenn came out, his bottom part of his body burning and his sister trying to get it out and Floyd jumped up and he said we got to get home we got to get home it was two miles to home and Floyd began to run by the time they got home Floyd was silent and he had a glazed over look in his eye he would die Glenn was in horrific pain. He heard the doctors, or the doctor telling his mother that he's probably not going to survive. But if he does, we're probably going to have to amputate his left leg for certain because it was so badly burned. He'll never walk again. And that young seven-year-old in all that pain, looked up at that doctor and said, I will walk again. I will walk again. The weeks that followed were horrific. He suffered through pain, but he got an assurance in his heart that I'm going to walk he would not let the outside voices take that from him. Doctor came to his room one day and asked him, he said, so you still say you're going to walk, young man? He said, yes, I am. He said, well, do it. He said, what? He said, if you're going to walk, do it. He thought, he deterred the enthusiasm of that seven-year-old, and that seven-year-old threw the cover off, and he got one leg, and inch by inch, he started pulling it out of the bed until it hit the floor. And then when he got up on the floor, he, he, he couldn't hold his weight, and it collapsed. And they, they went to pick him up, and he said, no, 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 leave me. Leave me alone. 
He was determined he was going to walk. As weeks turned into months, he had his mother take him outside and set him in the front yard in a chair. He threw himself out of that chair. He drug himself across that yard to their white picket fence, grabbed hold of that fence and pulled himself up and stake by stake, he drug himself down that picket fence and he did it over and over and over day in and day out when his body was screaming for relief. He held on to an assurance. He pushed back the pain. And he said, I will walk. I will walk. And in 1934, he set a world record for the mile run. Why? Because he had an assurance in him. Hear me today. If God is for us, who my friend can be against us? Would you stand with me? I don't know what fire you've been through. But sometimes when we get around each other, we can smell the singe of smoke, can't we? We battled some stuff, been through some things. They used to sing a song that said, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I refuse to allow my fire to keep me paralyzed for the rest of my life. There used to be a song said in the Bible, there's a story we're told about three Hebrew children and an idol made of gold. They talked about that they we're supposed to bend down, it said, but they wouldn't bend. They held on to the will of God, so we are told. They wouldn't bow. They would not bow their will to an idol made of gold. They wouldn't burn. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. There's an assurance we have. Devil gets in your face and starts screaming at you, trying to remind you of your past. Just remind him of his future. <laughs> Just let him know that I'm blood-bought. I'm born again. I have an assurance that I never, ever walk alone. If you're in this building today and you say, Pastor, I, I need that assurance. I need to be reminded that I am not what other people said I am. I need to have someone speak over me the promise of God instead of the fear and the lies that the devil tries to bring into my life. Let me introduce you to that someone right now. I know some of you think I'm going to say me. <laughs> but actually what I'm going to do is tell you to look in the mirror. Take a good look in the mirror and then get a hold of his word and begin to declare over yourself what he already declared over you. 
I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, that's what you say. No, that's what he said. <laughs> and you know what? I believe what he said. I've had people come up to me all the time and say, you believe in the Bible, you believe in God. I don't believe in that. And I'm thinking, do you really think I care what you believe? <laughs> oh, well, that's rude. Well, it may be rude, but it's the truth. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to hold on to the Word of God. I don't care what anybody declares. I declare the Word is life. How can you be so confident? Because He already told us. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. I have an assurance. Are you ready for that assurance in your life? If you are, I want you to stretch your hands to heaven. Just step out from where you're at. Take a step forward, would you? There's a chair in front of you. Take a step sideways. But just step out. Stretch those hands. I mean, you can come down to the front if you, if you desire, but just right where you're at, just let God know, I'm, I'm taking a stand. I am taking a stand. Thank you, Father. Hey, Kinder, I don't know your friends. Ashley, would you stretch your hand. I want you to take a look at me for just a second. Yeah, if you can, come on up. I want, look, there have, been, there have been some things that were spoken over you at a point in your life, and you started to buy into some of that. But that's not who you are. God has a promise over your life. Matter of fact, it's, it's been like, there, there's, there's been like, I don't know how to describe. Let me just describe what I see, okay? I see you standing and I see all these clouds that moved in and it was getting really dark. But then all of a sudden, I saw a ray of light peek through the, peek through the cloud and a wind begin to blow and those clouds are parting now. And you're starting to get clarity that you didn't have before. You're starting to get understanding that you didn't know before. And you're beginning to, you're beginning to find relationship with him in a way that you didn't have before. There is a full assurance that the God that loves you knows all about you and he's ready to work for you. Church, would you just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? Father, Because this song says, do what you're famous for. I'm not asking you to do something you've never done. I'm not asking you to pull a rabbit out. I'm, I'm just asking you to do what you're famous for. Because you've taken the most stark and dark situations and caused them to change in a moment. That's what you're famous for. Yes. Well, if you believe that's 
what he's famous for, then find that full assurance of faith right now. Stretch your hands to heaven and say, God, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. I surrender myself. Hey, I can't surrender you. I surrender myself right now to the power and the presence of the living God. Yes. Devil, you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. Because God is surrounding me right now. God is enveloping me right now. Just stretch those hands to heaven with me. like any other mama that wants the very best sometimes we have to just you know we don't always know what God's doing we see the outside but we don't know what God's got planned and one thing that I've learned is that sometimes when God's plan comes together it comes together so quickly that it makes our head spin because we were looking and we're thinking, man, I didn't see that coming at all. I didn't have a clue. Are you ready? Father, I declare. Make way through the waters, walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for, what you are famous for. Shut the mouths of liars, bring dry bones to hands to heaven 
and say, God, I want you to do what you're famous for through me. I remember a text that came on me and it seemed like I was trying to do something for God in everything, man. It seemed like all hell started to break loose. And what I did not know was it was because of what God was getting ready to do. But all these voices in my head screaming at me and yelling, you better stop. You better go back. And something got a hold of me. And I said, God, I stand here right now. And I'm asking you to make the devil pay for what he tried to do but I want you to make him pay through me. Use me, God. Stretch those hands to heaven. You're not backing up. You're not, you, my friend, are going to stand as a warrior and be God's soldier. Stretch those hands to heaven with me right now. Make way through the waters. Walk me through the fires. To us who are famous for what you are I want you to get something before you leave here today, and that's this. I really want you to have a full assurance that God can use you. Look at your name and say, he's talking about me. Use you. I don't want you to feel like you're whipped and you're defeated or like you're weak and you're frail. Do you know what? want to give the devil a nervous breakdown jump up in the middle of your mess and start praising God anyway start loving God anyway quit waiting for everything to get right quit waiting for everything to come together and just start praising God where you're at and say God I don't care what's happening around me I'm going to declare your goodness and your grace and your love I want you to hear me. God is raising up a people in this last day. Now, there's some of these folks down on the floor and folks say, oh my God. What are they doing on the floor? I want to challenge you something. If you think that the God that created this universe can touch you and nothing happen, you may cry, you may laugh, you may run, you may fall. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not look, I don't care about any of that. I'm not looking for the manifestation. I'm looking for the manifester. And when he shows up, you're going to know he's there. I said, you're going to know he's there. I said, well, how come that only happens? Do you understand? Look, man, I've been in places where all of a sudden the power of God moved. Debbie was in a, in a, Kmart and man, this lady fell out in the middle of the floor speaking in tongues. They were getting ready to call the ambulance. True story. 
going to call the ambulance. If God, is, if the only place that we find God or experience God is when we come in here, something's wrong. We need to walk in the power and the presence of God wherever we go. There is an awakening that has started. I'm not saying it's coming. It's already started. I felt the shift in the atmosphere. Something's happening, folks. And I don't want to be on the back side of that wishing I'd got it right. I want to make sure that I'm saying, here I am, God, use me. So I want you to stretch your hands to heaven right now and say this with me. God, right now, I mean today, this very moment, I'm asking you to move through me and use me in those ways that you're famous for. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise in this house. I want you to take this with you. I want you to take it to the street. I want you to take it to the supermarket. I want you to take it to Walmart. I want you to take it everywhere you go and let people know about the power of a living God. Amen. Somebody say it with me one more time. I have full assurance. Sing us out of here, guys. God bless you today. We love you.